Hey, Diana. Hi. How do you know if an entrepreneur is busy? Oh, snap. I don't know. How do you know? Don't worry. They'll tell you. <laughs> I've been sitting on that one for a moment. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cross Street Coaching. I am Jason, and with me is my co-host, Diana Ideas. Hey, And we are two coaches from Hawthorne Union. We are continuing on our series of The Reluctant Entrepreneur, which is our flavor of entrepreneurism that we have been talking about for the last seven, eight episodes now. On to eight, on, this is episode eight. Um, and normally, this is a podcast about personal, professional development, career development, all from a coach's point of view. And we've actually had two guests on our last episode. So Diana, it's just back, just back to me and you. Yep. Back to basics. But isn't it nice that we have a nice little community, a nice couple people we've been able to share some thoughts with? Yeah, it's it's so essential. And they've been part of the journey. So it's great to great to have other voices. Because we interact with a lot of members of Hawthorne Union. We have a lot of frequent flyers. And so it was really nice to be able to showcase some of them and capture their thoughts because we've been talking about the reluctant entrepreneur and our thoughts around it. But now we're kind of coming back around to uh, to just the original idea. So what did you want to talk about today, Diana? So I thought community would be relevant because I do really think that your community and the support services that you have available are essential for the entrepreneur life. So when most people think about community, they think about maybe like a circle or networking circle. Is that what you're talking about here? I think that's part of it. Um, But, you know, it's in the spirit of when I talk to my students about diversity, equity, and inclusion, I talk about it takes a village, right? It's all of our responsibility. It's, you know, it, it light hands, what is it? Many hands make light work. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the spirit of reluctant entrepreneur and coming into entrepreneurship, it maybe means that you weren't super excited about it, or maybe have some hesitations about the entrepreneur life. So not that community isn't always important, but I think community for a reluctant entrepreneur is even more important. So on the one hand, yeah, it's networking. It's how do you sell your services and and branding and things like that. But we've we've talked some about sales, not that we've exhausted that completely, because I know David is happy to join us on a future episode and we'll have him back. Um, But looking at like who supports you. And, you know, what, what does that look like? And when you have your doubts, and you think, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, or I never want to do this anyway, and I'm not so sure. Um, there's the kind of support services that you pay for CPA, lawyer, web developing, things like that. There's things that you need to kind of stand up a business. But I think your community also comes down to who supports you, who believes in you, who to your joke in the beginning, Who's not going to be annoyed when you're still talking about your business because you're eat, sleeping and breathing it? It was a little tongue in cheek, but of course, yeah. that's what it reminds me of, which is when, you know, when you talk to and the, the entrepreneurs that, that I've worked with in the past just have this kind of notion that they should be doing everything themselves and being completely mm-hmm. swamped 24 seven is, is a badge of honor and that there's a community out there, but not really tapping into it, right? Like, yeah, I have my LinkedIn people. And oh, yeah, I know a few people, but you know, I don't want to bother them. Um, but if someone asks 
our entrepreneurs for help, you know, they're, they're there. They're right there. They're willing to help. They're willing to put in the extra hours and make the dream come true. But asking other people from help, ugh, ooh, yuck, right? So how do you start building a community when there's this kind of notion that you should be doing everything yourself, especially when you're starting up? Doing everything ourselves, like, does that really serve us? <laughs> you know, I mean, even even if it's just, I, I guess I don't necessarily operate that way. I look at from a support perspective, you know, who's going to, who's going to cheer you on? Who's going to hold your hair back? <laughs> who's, who's going to give you some ideas? You know, I, I was trying to make a business decision today and having a lot of trouble with it because I could just see the merit of all the different permutations of it. And I thought, Oh, good. I'm talking to Jason tonight. <laughs> like if I mm-hmm. haven't figured it out by then, he's going to give me some great perspective. So. I think some of it too is, you know, I guess your assertion that people want to do this on their own. I would question that. I think people should question that. It it doesn't, it doesn't take away. It's still your journey, but who's going to help you along the way. So, you know, in referencing David's episode, like David was very supportive when I was like, I don't know what sales is. I don't know how to do this. I'm not sure where to go. And I just felt really uncomfortable with it. Um, you know, then connecting with love and, and just having someone where we can, you know, talk about ideas and things like that. You need people you can talk to for free. <laughs> and that's honestly, that's somewhat community is, is some of what friends are, um, people that can give you advice and perspective. And, you know, I know in the coaching world, we're not huge on advice. We like questions, but sometimes you just want someone else's opinion, you know, and, and I will say for myself, having moved across country a number of times and established myself, whether it was a full-time employee or as a, as a entrepreneur in a new community, having other people that you can just talk to about what you're doing is helpful, especially when your friend, your friends and family maybe don't know where you're going and may not want to talk to you about that stuff anymore. (laughs) So when I first moved into the community I worked in now, I just went on LinkedIn and Yelp, and I found some coaches, and they met me for coffee. And um, one of them and I started a coaching group here. Another one was just super helpful in giving his perspective. And actually, I now call alignment sessions. That's a word that came from him. So it's just, I think, I think the kind of resources and support that we have are really important. Um, it doesn't, you're still, you're still going to have to deliver. Um, but you can get help along the way is how I see it. You don't even drink coffee. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll go meet someone. So you'll meet up with people at a coffee shop. Yeah. I'll meet even up though- with someone at coffee. Coffee shops sell other things. So how, how did you start to learn this kind of technique, right? Which is you, you paratroop into a new community and you start setting up shop. You start building community. Um, s- start building a network. Which maybe so maybe that's that's how you operated. We should start there, right? Which is how did how did you learn how to do this? So I think that's an interesting question because some of some of what we do we usually think is normal, and then when other people don't do that, it's sometimes that's what creates conflict or um, helps us know who to partner with and things like that. Um, but as far as kind of creating community, I mean, honestly, when I moved here, I just didn't know anyone. <laughs> I didn't know anyone uh, personally and professionally. And in order to change that, that's why kind of, you know, ICF chapters and finding peers and professionals and networking group and stuff is really important. 
if someone's considering the entrepreneur life, definitely check out what free resources out are out there. There's often um, Chamber of Commerce will have a lot of events and networking events. Um, SCORE does entrepreneurial coaching at no cost and classes and things like that. There's often kind of women's business centers or minority businesses. So there's a lot of resources out there. So some of what I'm talking about is resources, but community is, you know, I, I know it, it can be hard to make friends as an adult. And then especially if you're a business owner, the lines can be blurred because it's like, well, am I trying to sell my product right now? Or am I just talking to this person? Or is this friends? Or, you know, what's happening here? Um, some of this honestly will probably be from my parents had moved across country. And so I had seen them do it. And then also my mom and I are both only children. And there's a way that, you know, say what you will about only children. <laughs> there's a way that we have to be more intentional about relationships because we don't just have brothers and sisters <laughs> who are going to be there no matter what. And so um, actually a friend of mine who has a, a number of siblings, he said that he's learned about kind of community and relationships and friendships um, from, from me. So, um, I think that, you know, some of it too, from an assessments perspective, I'm also a social instinct on the Enneagram. So for me, looking at the community, where's the power, where's the need, where are the dynamics is just kind of a natural way that I look at things. So that's a really good question. Cause I guess that's not something I had thought about. How do you create community? In a new lot places? Of it for me personally. And I would say that the, the type of entrepreneur that I've been working with, which is like, Hey, they have networks, but they don't want to like bother them or don't want to do that. So I'm naturally, and, and Diana, if I have talked about this, which is Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies, I identify as an obliger. I love service. I love giving things to other people. So for me, in order to establish myself in a, in a group or establish worth, I love being able to show value or to show how I can help other people. And that's kind of like the, the way that I look at it. So if I am coming to a group or a new group or professional group, I start thinking about, well, what is it that I can, I can do? For these people, um, if it's a group of small entrepreneurs, one of the common uh, workshops that I've run that I've done free a bunch of times is just like a 90 minute like goal setting workshop, like how to actually set goals in your business. Because sometimes that like super flies by a lot of people when they first are starting out, which is having actual tangible business goals, not just like I'm just trying to make it or I'm just trying to um, pay the bills. Those things are great. So for me, it's about the value that I can bring or how I can establish mutual benefit for other people. And I think that's kind of when I come into an environment, that's certainly what I start looking at. I start really trying to understand what other people are working on and the dynamics of the group and trying to see where I can plug into that and provide value or maybe some equivalent exchange. That's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Yeah, that's a great perspective. I mean, what comes up when you say that is, you know, when when thinking about creating community is like focus on what you like. So what I realized is that a lot of my community here is related to business because that's what I was focused on when I first moved here. And then also working out. And it's funny too, because I have a swimming is a solo sport. <laughs> but it's like, I know, I know who likes what lane. <laughs> and, and at 630 in the morning, even though we're not exactly chatty, um, you know, we'll be moving lanes because there's certain people that like certain lanes. And, and so, so I move over for them, <laughs> like let them have their lanes. Um, or, you know, I've gone to concerts with people that I've worked out with because we knew that we liked that kind of music. So it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. I think 
a lot of times people don't know how to make friends, which I guess is some of what I am talking about. Your community doesn't have to be friends. Um, but you know, thinking about what you like and what's important to you, whether it's service like Jason, um, whether it's kind of a religious or spiritual community, um, whether it's people have kids or into sports or hobbies, things like that. I think moving towards what is interesting and then, you know, it can be difficult to make friends or network, but that's awkward for everyone. That's one of the nice things about from in a business context is that if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you're going to have to get used to it. <laughs> you're going to have to talk to people and just be like, Hey, you know, I, when I moved to Nashville, I joined the ICF chapter there um, and got involved there. And at the time, you know, to me, the coaches that made their living from coaching were like unicorns. But thankfully, I got recruited from that chapter to be part of a networking group. And I got more comfortable with the concept of like one on ones. And, um, you know, so I really like seat networking, where you go and it's the same group of people. So whether it's Toastmasters or Business Networking International or anything like that, um, or a chapter where it's the same people showing up over time, because with me, the continuity is helpful that you're not just there kind of exchanging business cards saying, what can you do for me? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I like the kind of over time having relationships or people that you can talk to because most, most people feel awkward at those things. And it's nice when you kind of know a couple people or build relationships. So I guess what comes up for me is like, when you think about community, it's what do you like to do? What relationships can you create? And then also coming back to it, how do those serve you and also potentially serve your business? Yeah. And not to turn this into the reluctant friendship newer, <laughs> reluctant friendster, <laughs> which it but- could be, right? A lot of times these things don't happen as an adult because if you think of it as you grow up as kids, you know, you're in school and you're, you're there and other people are there. What you, you develop what's called proximity friends, right? People that you naturally gravitate to because you're in the same space. Same thing with work. So for the entrepreneur, those default spaces aren't there to naturally build relationships with people over time, especially if for, for some people that would say, Oh, I don't do small talk. Well, that's, that's kind of how you get to know people is to like Mm -hmm. BS with them. Like, Oh, how was your weekend? What'd you do? Oh yeah. I went to biking or hiking or swimming and you find common ground, right? doesn't mean you have to like always do that. So I think that's one of the things for, uh, for our reluctant entrepreneurs is that they're going to have to find a way to build community and it's usually over common interest. And there's also buy-in groups as well. Like you said, Toastmasters and a lot of networking groups, a lot of referral groups. And for those people that are maybe a little bit more reserved, the amount of resources online have probably doubled, if not tripled, just in the last couple of years alone from some people that don't naturally have those. And it doesn't always have to be active Zoom meetings. There's a lot of passive message boards and a lot of other ways to interact. So there's there's so tons of resources out there. That's a good point because you know I just had a I had a meeting with someone off LinkedIn who just was like, "Hey, I'm a coach, you're a coach, like can we connect?" And so we took 30 minutes and just talked through, you know, how can I support his business? How can he support my business? And then um one of the things when I I'll give a shout out to um Sheriff who if you look on Hawthorne Union's resource page under money, we did a series of videos he and I met on LinkedIn when I was just looking for coaches to be on a panel. And then we connected that way. And then he invited me to a series of videos. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily comfortable getting out there and putting my face out there and my voice out there. 
but I do best in unscripted environments. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I have these, um, I have these different environments or community and some of it's just from LinkedIn. So there were amazing coaches that hosted me last year for an event in India who hosted me again this year. And they're so great. They're like, when are you coming? When are you coming to visit us? So I think, you know, as I talk about community, I think about love and David, but you know, love's in New York and David's in Boston. You know, you and I aren't in the same space or same mm-hmm. state. So, you know, the the world, the internet has made the world smaller for better or for worse, but also thinking about, I do think it's important to have community where you live, someone who can help you. Like if you're sick, <laughs> bring some food to your house or something like that. Um, but at the same time, it's a good point. You know, I have... I have a client who is having some health challenges that are pretty obscure, but thankfully has found some really robust um, Facebook communities related to that. And so asks her doctor better questions based on what she's learned from that group. So, you know, I, I think the humans are social creatures, even if we don't want to be social, even if we're like, don't talk to me, don't look at me, <laughs> I'm, you know, depleted. Um, it's important that we have access to resources. And, and, you know, when you think about human resources, like those are some of the most important ones. So what would you think our reluctant entrepreneur would say? They go, Oh, totally get it. I I get it. You can, you can use the social media. You can use the Twitter.com. You can use the LinkedIn.com or your chamber of commerce or your networking groups. So what is the struggle point for our reluctant entrepreneurs? If they already know how to do this? I think the struggle point for the for any entrepreneur is that you're working. And so anything not work, I mean, to your joke at the beginning, right? Anything not working. Yeah, we're busy. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. if you're reluctant, and you're not sure it's working, and there's a kind of well, if I take my eyes off the prize, like maybe this thing will fail. It's kind of like, I learned to bike as an adult. And someone was like, you have to look up, you can't look at the road, you know, to to successfully bike. And you know, when you're running or when you're biking, you know, sometimes looking at the road is important. But if you only are fixated on that, you know, it, you got to lift your eyes up. <laughs> so, same thing with driving, right? So, I think the challenge for the entrepreneur or the reluctant entrepreneur, like people, people get some of what we talk about with a reluctant entrepreneur is innovation. And you're innovating on a product or you're innovating on the way or you're changing your life to serve this product. How are you also innovating out of your environment? Are you just hanging out with the same people and doing the same things and only talking to people if they're a potential customer? Or can you make what in my master's program they called like strategic alliances? And is it possible? So for example, love is is what someone could refer to as a strategic alliance. You know, we outsource diversity, equity, and inclusion. When she has people looking for more kind of intensive kind of coaching or predictive index, we're a resource to her. So but at the same time, we're happy to share meals and kind of break bread together. So I don't know where, I don't know if I'm answering your question. So I'm going to stop. Oh, it's just about if they, if they know where to get the resources, what is the next hurdle that the reluctant entrepreneur needs to overcome? And you kind of outlined that with strategic alliances, which is starting to form how basically when you're making connections 
it's how to start connecting all the dots. So you have all these people out there. Some are maybe strategic alliances. Some are just people you know. Yeah. Right? Not every single business con- contact is going to be like, you have a business and I have a business. Therefore, we are business buddies. And we contact and we talk about business and business time. It can be <laughs> just people you know in your community that also can be great advocates for your business as well. So it's it's about forming that a community for the reluctant entrepreneur that's more than just utilitarian. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it needs to, I recommend it be viewed as the place that you're investing because it can be difficult, especially when you're starting your business to make time to do things that are not work related or specifically work related. Um, but as David said to me, the, the air in your tires Wait, when you have air in your tires and improves, uh oh, <laughs> improves the gas mileage. There you go. Uh-oh. Like it's it's not. I know he said something brilliant, and I'm gonna misquote it on a recording. Um, but essentially, I was talking about a service that didn't feel directly related to the business, and he was like, "Well, you know, it it's not always direct. So community relationships, it's not always direct. Sometimes you need outlets, and I think being able to talk to someone else who." is a reluctant business owner or a successful business owner or um, you know, have a friend that just is like, hey, no business talk, like just be here with me now and talk about the other aspects of your life. Some of that, so when we talk about work-life balance, some of it is just making sure that you, you know, you have other things to mix in, that, you know, you're where you're investing your time is diversified enough. Because if a client you really thought that you wanted, or we're going to get falls through. Um, and it, you're probably going to need some support. Or, um, you know, if something goes really well, like you want to have people to celebrate with. For a reluctant entrepreneur, it definitely seems, you know, to the to the jokes credit, as you started tongue in cheek, which is busy is code for not important enough. And what it can feel like is that for a reluctant entrepreneur is that if they're all in and they're trying to make this or trying to like test the waters, that being social feels like something extra. It doesn't feel like where you should be spending your time, especially if you're trying to get this business off the ground and you want and to you be spending money. all your time yeah. and no money and <laughs> bills to pay for yeah. the love of God. Right. And so that being social and, and leisure time, that seems like a, a luxury that our reluctant entrepreneur may not be able to afford. So they, they pass by it. They don't invest in their community. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes it is, sometimes it is a luxury. However, you know, as I think about stories I've told on this episode, or on these episodes is that, you know, when someone, when I told another entrepreneur, Hey, I don't think I can do this. And she laughed in my face, like that helps me re up. (laughs) And then when the job I thought was going to be full time fell through, she was the same one who helped me kind of design a group coaching offering. Um, you know, when it's, it's important to have people that know you, you know, so Drew is now part of Hawthorne Union, very excited about that. He knew me more in a corporate environment. And so meeting him and getting coaching and kind of consulting from him from an entrepreneurial perspective, he has a kind of past knowledge of success. So when I'm feeling like, oh, I can't do this, I don't know what I'm doing. He can reference something from kind of 10 years ago or from corporate. Um, in a way, like the the people, yes, the people that know us sometimes know, <laughs> well, I had to hold your hair back because you drank too much. 
But the people who know us also know kind of can potentially be supporters for what we're capable of uh, when we forget. And maybe that's not something everybody needs, but it's something I need. Putting the reluctant and reluctant entrepreneur, this thing was daunting to me and I'd never done it before and I didn't think I could do it. And I'd watched a lot of people that I loved and respect who said, who couldn't sustain it, who didn't have the money to sustain it and ended up going back to corporate. So that was my journey. So to be able to kind of be in it and try to figure out how am I going to make a go of this thing, especially when all these other people before me who are amazing didn't stay in it, I needed a lot of support. Could you believe that there is a lot of benefit through verbally processing, especially for more extroverted people. And it obviously doesn't feel as uh, as appropriate to go to like your primary care physician and talk to him about your <laughs> entrepreneur journeys, even as stress inducing that may be. They may recommend uh, maybe a medication or something like that. But that's where I I think that a lot of of strength and community is because for people and, and also another another vote, you know, surprise, surprise, and why coaching is so powerful is because traditionally when people explain things verbally, they're mentally processing it another time. They're actually taking another lap around it. So when you are saying things such as talking to people about your business or connecting with others, there's a strength and a benefit to that kind of practice, that discipline. And it's not always a one for one, right? It's not always about that every single connection you're going to make is going to automatically result in a sale. But a strength in the connection and a byproduct is getting better at building community is, is also strengthening secondary skills that will help you get your business off the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the nonverbal processes, processors out there, I mean, there's amazing resources, podcasts and books and all that stuff. But how's that stuff going to love you back? And how's that stuff going to call you on your stuff <laughs> when you need it? So at some point, it's worth, I believe, w- worth checking in and worth checking in with uh, a human about it. Um, But also, you know, there's a number of books out there that have even reflection prompts in them. So, you know, I, I think the thing is, is that from a community, some of this is about reflection, and some of this is about the community perspective. And, and I think so much of why group coaching is a thing, why therapy is a thing is that people feel like they're on their, they're alone, and they're doing it alone. But you're not alone. Like even if nobody's done that particular thing in that particular way, um, it doesn't mean that they, it doesn't mean that they don't support you. I mean, you know, it's as you know, as a coach, like the first time a client's like, no, thanks. I don't want to work with you. Or like, I don't like you. (laughs) Or someone says something mean to you and you're trying to help them. I mean, it's brutal, right? It is very brutal. It is. But then when you talk to someone else and they're like, oh yeah, I've done that. Or you know, part of why it was brutal to fail MCC <laughs> to have been working for 10 years on this thing. And, um, and then have, you know, knock on the gates and not be let in. But what was interesting is in that process, a lot of the MCCs I talked to were like, Oh, yeah, I failed as well. Like, this is how many times I failed. And this is what I did after I failed. And there's a normalizing of that. So, you know, if I think it's possible to get that sense of community from resources that you aren't interacting with. But I do recommend interacting with those resources. Because I think for me, I probably would have just given up. 
if I didn't have people who were like, no, you're in this, you can do this. We believe in you. We support you. Um, and I just, I see that as an essential resource. There's also a great thing with mentorship as well that we really invest a lot in, like people that have done what we're trying to do. And even if it's not not completely identical, right? So if someone is also trying to get another service-based business and they're going, oh man, I totally remember the first couple of years. Yeah, it was totally rough. Here's some of the things that I did. There's a lot of value that we gravitate towards learning from other people. And it's also nice because sometimes when we are facing problems with getting our business or idea off the ground, it feels like that we're the only ones that have ever experienced it. And it makes things so complex. But when you hear other people have similar challenges, it does kind of soften it. Maybe not in the moment, maybe not when you're hearing it. But as you start to hear similar stories or start to feel or process what you're going through, there is a comfort in knowing that other people have had similar struggles. And if they can get through it, and if those people can get their businesses off the ground, why not you? Why can't you do it? And then even if it's not about the business, and ultimately the entrepreneurial life is, you know, whether you are reluctant going in or not, like ultimately, if it's not what you choose, or if in the span of a career, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you know, sometimes you may spend some time on the entrepreneur side, and sometimes you may spend time on the employee side. But ideally, the community is one that you sustain over time. So, you know, there are some people who only invest in the community that is right in front of them, like the coworkers you have. Um, or the kind of community, the, the people who live locally, most of the people I love the most don't live in my community <laughs> because I've hopped around and I moved a lot. So I have a lot of amazing people to go visit. But the nice thing is, is that, you know, I think some of what we're looking at, and I guess what I'm getting to from a community perspective is also sustainability. To me, community is an essential agreement in sustainability because regardless of what you choose from a career perspective, Hopefully your friends, your friends and your support people and your network are going to be your friends and your support people in your network, regardless of whether that, you know, you're going to be an entrepreneur or not. You know, it's not some, hopefully it's not something like with, you know, let's say people who make us a, a life change, like if they, you know, give up substances, oftentimes they have to change their community and make a whole new community because the previous community like will, doesn't serve them anymore in their kind of new life. And I think obviously there's obviously there's changes that people make that warrant that. But from an entrepreneur perspective, it's like, hey, what can you learn from the people who aren't entrepreneurs? What can you learn from the entrepreneurs? What can you learn from the people who are local? What can you learn in the halls of LinkedIn? (laughs) What can you learn in these different places that can help sustain and support you, especially in your darkest hours? Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that because I was going to ask. I was like, when you talk about sustainability, I'm assuming you're not meaning reduce, reuse, and recycle. I'm talking about like being able to keep going mm-hmm. and and to make it to make it last. One of the things that I always find is how the quality of small interactions can also be really impactful. So, for example, I was at a, a retail store today, and one of the employees was talking about how they've they've been working here for 20 years and. I, I simply just followed up. I said, 
oh, what makes you stick around? Just a small interaction. Doesn't mean that I'm going to be best friends or add this person on LinkedIn, but that can also be a way for community as well, which is just gaining little bits of information, little breadcrumbs as well for people that maybe don't get thrilled or over the moon by standing in front of groups of other entrepreneurs and uh, you know preparing their Toastmasters speech. There's also ways to find this in maybe every day-to-day interactions. And that could be in different places than, than what you assume as well. What do you think about Diana for the people that maybe aren't as extroverted, don't verbally process? What, what should they do in order to build their own flavor of community? I think it really gravitates around interest. So if there's a show that you like or music you like, like uh, someone I used to work with who is a good friend of mine had, he would write song of the day and he would write a blog post about it. And there were, and so for him, it was very reflective and he was talking about his own experiences and he was, it was written word. But at the same time, there were so many people we work with and that he, that, you know, then they would share it and it creates community because there's a sharing of knowledge or sharing of, of the interest. So I think it's, you know, whether you are watching a show or into a new fitness thing or wanting to, you know, wanting to go travel to another place and think about like, who do you know that's been there? Um, people, people like to help. They like to support, like to your point, Jason. And, and, you know, they, people don't always want to buy our products or our services or hear about our products or services. But if it's like, Hey, um, I'm planning on buying a sous vide. <laughs> Does anybody have one? And is there food that I should or shouldn't order? Or, hey, Jason, want to do Whole30 with me? <laughs> so when I whine and complain, <laughs> you can be my support. So it's it's finding, you know, what's what's something of interest or what's a goal that you have and how can that be conversations? And to your point, Jason, you know, my life in Nashville and and kind of living in the South and working a lot in Alabama it made me a nicer person. <laughs> and it was actually a really great way, great place to start a business because people are so friendly. Like for our non-Americans, the American South, like there's a Southern hospitality, there's that friendliness that got me a lot more comfortable in just kind of chatting with people. But honestly, you know, or um, one of the things I do, I feel like I haven't networked in a long time in person um, I usually wear really interesting shoes and people come up and talk to me about my shoes. Like, Oh, I like your shoes or this or that, or, you know, and, and I will compliment people if they're wearing like different colors or whatever. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to engage with people. It doesn't have to be a really long conversation. I actually think sometimes it's better if it isn't. Um, but to have some kind of shared interest. I think if someone's listening and is like, I don't need that. I'm fine without that. I would challenge like how much stronger would you be if you had a supportive community? And I realized that by saying community, the support is implied. So if someone's looking around at their life and they don't feel like their community is supportive, then that's something to potentially go seek and find that support elsewhere. Um, because I, I believe that everyone, everyone deserves that. You know, when we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, like inclusion, and then also belonging were those are community, those are community elements. And from a diversity perspective, you know, that that those can look like different things and, and be different ways. So um, I, I'm just a big advocate of this. I think that it's instrumental to my success. I think that that I probably 
I definitely tried. I definitely tried to get a full-time job for the first almost year of Hawthorne Union. And if I had and you know, and Hawthorne Union still existed in the in the background, it you know, we were still teaching classes and I still had some private clients. Um, but I if I didn't have the community support that I had, I would not be where I am. So it's just something, even if it doesn't appeal, I think part of what we have to do as reluctant entrepreneurs is look at, okay, that doesn't feel comfortable to me. Could it serve me anyway? Or could I learn something from that? Um, and I will, and I will say that I'm a huge advocate. Worst case scenario, even if it doesn't help your business, hopefully you'll have more fun. Anything that for you as you've changed jobs or locations that's helped you with community building? You know what? I fall into the latter camp, which is I didn't think it's as important as I would find it to be. I said, yeah, those things are great and all, but I don't really want to be sold to. I don't want to have to read someone's terrible self-published book. Luckily, we've made a self-published book that's not terrible. <laughs> it's amazing. And we formed it in that fashion. I, I really didn't see the value in that. I thought it was a nice to have, not something that was necessary. But a community of coaches has been very, very valuable and validating for my progress as a, an individual coach. And understanding my personal development has been a lot easier to see over time as I've developed relationships. And now a lot of people that I saw very high up achieving these levels of coaching and doing this type of work that was so high that I could never obtain that I being around higher level people actually made me feel like I could grow myself. And I think that was a secondary benefit that I didn't that I didn't really realize as I downplayed it. I joined my local ICF chapter. I really, really enjoyed that. I made some connections. I hosted a group there myself. I taught a class. Um, and those were really, really awesome and very, very validating for me to see my personal growth in this space. And so I would hope that everyone else would challenge themselves to try the same things, which is if it is not for a, a utility, it is for your personal gauge of growth. And so that's my, some of my final thoughts there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, is that as someone who's lived in a lot of places and this is something that I've done a number of times, I, did, I was never part of the San Francisco ICF chapter because I had my friends there. I grew up there. Like sometimes we make community more actively when we're in a new place, but in the spirit of entrepreneurship and a reluctant entrepreneur, you're trying something new. And also regardless of whether it's for business or not, it's important to, it's important to get out there and it's important to have other interests. <laughs> so to, to live a more balanced life. All right. So Diana, where can people find out more about you? All right. So the halls of LinkedIn, and uh, HawthorneUnion.com. And um, yeah. And you can also find me on HawthorneUnion.com and LinkedIn as well. The halls of LinkedIn, which is our, that's a great, that was a great phrase. It was. We'll have links to all the things that we talked about, anything we referenced in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time.